0: What is up guys and welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. This week I was joined by a local, Mr. Bill Anderson. Bill is really a local hero in my books when it comes to conservation. Although it was not until recent I found out what astonishing feats this man has met in building the Little Juniata River into what it is modern day. Bill is a very well known local in this fishing community. And this area is very proud we have him at the forefront of conservation. I was immediately overwhelmed with Bill's knowledge and understanding on every aspect of the special waterway that is the Little Juniata River. Please reach out to him or myself if you have any questions regarding this episode. I would also ask that you check out Bill's business EZP for waterproof zipper install into your waders. Thank you Bill from one sportsman to another for everything you've done and are doing to make a future in the outdoors for myself and my children. I frequently fish this area, and if you're like me, you know what beautiful trout this water and the feeder streams hold. I strongly suggest that you support Bill and the Little Juniata River Association in protecting our beautiful streams. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, and God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Keystone Chronicles podcast, sitting here I'm here with Bill Anderson. We have a heck of a show lined up for you, I believe. We've been sitting here BSing here for about an hour, and (laughs) he's full of knowledge, and um, I'm in awe here. So, uh, Bill, please introduce yourself. Uh, Let's just hear what you do and uh, basically what your mission is uh, as of right now, because I know you've done a lot in your life. So let's keep it current for this, this situation. Just do a little introduction, and we'll go from there.
1: Okay, uh, I'm Billy Anderson. I live here in Sinking Valley with my wife, Carol Ann, and um, uh, I'm president of the Little Juniata River Association. The Little Juniata River Association is a uh, totally volunteer group organized in 1998 as a result of a, uh, a pollution event that killed all the macros in the river. So. We originally got organized to monitor the return of the insect life in the Little Juniata River. And when I retired from my day job in 2004, we expanded our mission to include protection and improvement of the river and all of its tributaries as a, as a uh, public cold water resource. And I've been doing that now and leading the group since uh, uh, early 2005 as president, and we've grown our membership to over 500 members. We have um, not just fishermen, we have kayakers and birders, and anyone who, who loves the river and loves the, uh, uh, the, <coughs> the resource that we have here is welcome to be part of our group. We do a lot of work on the river. We've, uh, we've done a lot of bank stabilization work, over 1,400 feet of bank stabilization over the years. We do fish habitat uh, uh, projects, and uh, most recently we did a project in um, in the main river just downstream from the Tipton interchange of i 99 We took 400 feet of what was essentially uh, shallow wastewater with no fish habitat, uh, average only maybe a foot and a half deep. It was also a source of warming in uh, summer months because it was wide open without shade, and uh, we corrected that that uh, situation with uh, some 25 large boulders randomly placed and uh, seven log structures, wing structures, to move the current, move the stream to the center of the river. Uh, so now, uh, you know, two years later, there's a substantial uh, wild brown trout population in that stretch of the river that was not there before. We did before and after surveys, so we're... Uh, which we try to do every time we do improvement work we do a, a baseline before and after uh, using electro fishing or uh, uh, in some cases uh, a bug kick so we see what the macro life has uh, done before and after so we yeah little juniata river association holds an annual cleanup in april first saturday in april uh, this year it'll be saturday april the 8th and uh, we have uh, the typical year, and this will be our 19th year to do the uh, 20 miles of riverbank that we do trash cleanup, and um, we organize uh, by meeting in uh, at the Spruce Creek United Methodist Church, and also up at New Pig. So we have an upper river group and a lower river group, mm-hmm. averaging over 200. We get over 100 tires a year out of the river, and we get you know several large roll-offs of trash. It's amazing how every year the, right. trash, the trash comes back. <clears throat> so that's one of our, our, uh, our projects. We also uh, work hard to keep the river open for public use. We, we know our landowners, we know our stream bank owners on the river. And we make sure that uh, we maintain good relations with those landowners. Uh, we've also participated in, in putting public fishing easements in place on almost five miles of river now. The lower indoor in, in this uh, five miles is within the uh, catch and release special regulation section from uh, Rothrock State Forest to the mouth of the river. <coughs> so. We've paid landowners over $200,000 for the four of those public fishing easements. They're permanent easements, mm-hmm. uh, one-time payment. And what the landowner is signing up for is uh, a, a trespass permission for the purpose, sole purpose of fishing or boating. And uh, these contracts and agreements with landowners are administered by the Fish and Boat Commission. but the Little Juniata River Association does all the contact work with the landowners and the fundraising. And uh, we have many more to do. We're we're working on several uh, uh, public fishing easements mm-hmm. in the upper river now. Upper meaning Tyrone upstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little Juniata is 32 miles from its source, where Spring Run and Kettle Run, Kettle Creek, come together to the mouth, and uh, 15 of those miles are upstream from Tyrone, and 15 of those miles are downstream from Tyrone. Okay. Tyrone sits right in the center, right in the middle of the river where it makes a, a southeasterly turn through the mountain. <clears throat> we find uh, wild brown trout population throughout the river. Uh, n- through the efforts of the Fish and Boat Commission with their surveys, we now have uh, over 20 miles of Class A wild brown trout water listed in the river. Uh, We're quite sure that all 30-plus miles of river are Class A and would qualify It's simply a matter of getting them surveyed, getting the rest of the miles surveyed. So we have 14 miles from Tyrone to the Mouth, that's that's, uh, special regulations, uh, catch and release, all tackle, and then we have another 5.2 miles upstream from Bellwood to Sandy Run, which is Class A wild trout with no special regulations. Our goal for this coming season is to get special regulations in place for the remainder of at least the Class A water, and better yet, for all of the river, we'd like to see the entire river as a catch and release fishery. There's, we see no justification for uh, killing these wild brown trout. Right. Uh, for one thing, they're not that uh, good to eat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, there is still substantial amount of residual uh, pollution in the, in the trout in the river the river the trout are doing fine but due to the age of uh, of tanneries and railroads and, and domestic sewage etc, mm-hmm. there's still some residual pollution so I, I for one would not eat a trout out of the little Juniata and I try to discourage everyone else from from doing so. so we're, tr- we're working with one fishing boat to try to get them to agree to a, a special regulations for the entire river. And our drop back position would be at least the twenty miles of Class A trout water I see and that's that's a high priority project for this coming year <clears throat> uh else should I tell you about the little Juniata River Association? We are, uh, you know, we straddle Blair and Junior and Huntington County. Right. We work with agencies. We work with the conservation districts in both counties, Huntington County Conservation District and the Blair County Conservation District. We work with fish and boat. Um, I serve on several uh, advisory committees for for uh, Western Pennsylvania Conservancy, for example, and the Altoona Water Authority. So we try to... Identify all of our cold water sources and take care of those cold water sources. If you want to have a trout stream, you need cold water. Right. So our our goal is to get the cold water in the river and keep it there. Keep the river shaded wherever we fight when we see uh, <laughs> we see people cutting trees down on the river bank. Uh, we we uh, go after that because we need the shade right. to keep the water cool and. Um, Oh we we uh that's that's our game. We're trying to preserve this uh spectacular cold water resource with wild brown trout for others to enjoy and our grandchildren to enjoy. Uh I have five grandchildren. Some of th- several of them are fishermen. I have hopes for for others. <laughs> They're uh uh these days it's difficult with our get to keep our kids in the outdoors and we
0: we work at it. It's funny that it is, but it is, yeah.
1: Hmm. So that's, that's what we do. Um, we will have a spring banquet this year. We've just decided we're going to have a picnic on the river down near Spruce Creek at the uh, river's edge. Um, there's a fishing cottage there that has agreed to let us use the property for a, a spring picnic. And that's a members plus guest type of of uh, uh, banquet. We often have a winter banquet this year. We decided to have a spring picnic instead. It's, it's uh, planned for the uh, 29th of April and uh, we we have a lot of details yet to do but that's our intention right now is to uh, plan that for Saturday the 29th of April and uh, we're looking forward to that it's not a fundraiser what we do with our annual banquet is we it's for the purpose of our members to get to know one another bring their their guests and uh, uh, we don't, you we know, we're not, uh, we're not doing uh, raffles and, right. and auctions. Yeah. We're, we're just there to have a good time and and, uh, and, and know who your fellow members are. Uh, my my uh, philosophy has always been that the the river needs friends. The more people who who uh, are know the river and who enjoy the river, the better prepared we are to fight when there are challenges and there are risks. To the river, and they keep coming. We have a uh, a project right now that we've been uh, heavily involved in, in um, with with regard to the Rudder's project mm-hmm. in Pinecroft. There's a plan to put a a, a large truck stop in uh, at the Pinecroft interchange, right on uh, Sandy Run, the headwaters of Sandy Run. Mm-hmm. Sandy Run is a is a very important cold water resource for the upper river and a spawning. Stream for the brown trout in the Little Juniata proper. <clears throat> this project would uh, encompass some 20 acres of uh, drainage, which would drain directly into Sandy Run and uh, potentially uh, change that the the uh, ecology of that cold water stream to something else. And uh, certainly, the runoff is. Uh, of a concern. So we we've, we've expressed our our uh, reservations to DEP DEP. We held a, we persuaded DEP to hold a public hearing. We had the public hearing in August. We're still waiting for a decision from D P A D E P whether or not they're going to approve the project. We're hopeful that if it is approved it will be done in such a way that there's no detrimental effect on uh, Sandy Run or the river. So that's uh, that's what we do.
0: And that is, that's one of the things that I've been following with you guys lately. And I do, you know, I haven't got to say much into what I believe in what you guys do, but you do a very good job. Um, the little jay is, I, I mean, as far as the United States go, if you look at a list of wild trout streams, it's, it's on there and it's, it's, it's a very, very good place to fish. I know people that are from other States that are, you know, in, in this area not so much very close to here. And that's where they prefer to go. You've, we have a lot of gentlemen and women say Spruce Creek and there's some other famous creeks that are around here that, uh, that they really like. But the little J is, it, it stands out a lot. So.
1: Yeah, the, the, uh, we, we have more and more members of the Little Juniata River Association that are not local. We have members from Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Ohio and v- nearby Virginia, Maryland, New York. Uh, more and more, as you, as you said, we have uh, people visiting from out of state because of the reputation of the, of the wild trout stream. You know, uh, People who travel really don't want to catch hatchery fish. They want to catch wild fish. Right. right? And the little Juniata is, in my, of course I'm very biased about it, but in my opinion, uh the best wild brown trout stream in the eastern united states now uh you uh, can argue with that and i'm sure there are people who would right but uh i, I did a uh, uh an article i had a, a a friend who wrote the uh 50 best places to fly fish in northeastern united states he wrote a book his name is, is bob mallard and he came to me and and asked me to write the chapter for the little juniana river which i did and uh, so that's a place you could go and take a look and see if you see uh, a, a stream that uh, compares. Spring Creek has a high uh, wild trout population. Yeah. Uh, Penn's Creek has mm-hmm. a, has a certainly has a, a, a substantial wild brown trout population. But I would put the little j uh, right up there with either of those in terms of uh, our hatches and uh, the average size of the fish and just the overall availability of public water. Yeah. And of course that's where we come in. We our one of our major goals is to keep the river open for
0: public uh, use, which in modern day can be very hard because number one people are sue happy, right? Okay. So you let somebody come on your land Mm -hmm. and they slip and fall god forbid they drown whatever happens
1: yep there are liability issues yes Uh, more often we lose if you're going to lose access it's because of the trashing problem people landowners often post their property because people trash it and uh, one way we refute that is that we make an offer to all of our stream bank uh, owners on the little juniata that if there's a trashing uh, event they call us, and we'll put a, a volunteer crew together and clean it up mm-hmm. right away. In keeping with our annual cleanup and also, you know, during the year, if we have a, somebody backs up a truck and dumps a load of shingles or something, if a landowner calls mm-hmm. us <coughs> rather than uh, getting mad and posting the property, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. we, uh, we'll we clean it up for them. So that, that goes a long way toward keeping uh, keeping things open. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's Penn's Creek, there's a lot of private property. There's a lot of places you can't fish. Uh, it's a wonderful stream, but they have those kind of issues with a lot of cabins along that stream. Mm, clubs. We really don't have that on Little Juniata. We've, right. We've prevented the private clubs from taking over. They, there was a threat that the private clubs were going to sign off a, a large chunks of the river, especially the lower river. And that's what, what led us to our public fishing easement program with Fish and boat, to uh, to counteract the private clubs with their uh, with their um, uh, efforts to post and and uh, make it a you know, rich man's playground instead right. of something we can all enjoy. So we uh, that's what we we do. We uh, you know I I fish the little Juniata. I'm, I'm primarily a fly fisherman. Um, little Jay has catch-and-release regulations all tackled, so you don't have to be a fly fisherman. There's plenty of people that spend fish on the river. It's catch-and-release. We'd like to see the whole river catch-and-release, as I mentioned. But at least for uh, 14 miles of river, is already catch-and-release. Right. So uh, We have uh, great hatches if you're a fly fisherman, you know, starting with uh, spring olives in March and early April, and then uh, uh, granum caddis in, in uh, mid-April. <laughs> and then um, our, our tan caddises, various uh, tan caddises, four or five species that, are, that matter through April and into May. And then by the first week in May, we see our uh, early sulfurs, the, the, the big sulfurs, the size 14 sulfurs. That's an event that brings tons of people into the area. Definitely. There are times when it's hard to find a parking place during <laughs> yeah. the sulfur hatch. Now, that is only true in the popular places. And as always, uh, 90% of the people, especially from out of town, are fishing 10% of the water. Right. And if you know the river, as as I do and as our members uh, do, many of them, uh, we can always find a place to fish. Mm Because there's plenty of river that's ignored by the the, uh, visiting fishermen.
0: Well, it's real similar to public land. The easy access, Hmm. you know, you're going to see the people there first. People really don't want to work hard for it.
1: Next to the road, the good, good holes next to the road. Yeah. And uh, in general, the half the river is ignored. The half of the river that's upstream from Tyrone, from Tyrone to Altoona, uh, it's, there's plenty of great fishing in that stretch. And it's pretty nearly ignored by visiting fishermen because they, they, they tend to gravitate to the special regulation area south of, and east of Tyrone
0: and it's bigger water down there too and it's
1: bigger water but if you don't mind uh, fishing a little smaller water Mm -hmm. and um, uh, and i don't i i enjoy the small water as well as the big water yeah but uh, i can always find a you know good place away from the any crowds even even during sulfur time and of course uh, there's a growing number of people who fish the little juniata in the winter the, the nymphers are down there these days. I can drive the river as I did the other day. And I, I found uh, you know eight cars just in a drive from Tyrone to Spruce Creek of uh, people winter fishing. On right. 30, 40 degree day. And uh, I, I fish it myself in the winter time. And uh, it works. You can catch fish year round. It, it is an open fishery, never closed. There's no reason to close it, especially in the catch and release part of it. And um, there's always you know fish feeding there somewhere. You just have to figure out what they're doing and, and uh, get on them. But uh, no, I I guide on the river. I I guide because uh, I started got started. Guiding when I had a fly shop back in 2004 in Franklinville, just upstream from Spruce Creek. <coughs> Some of those customers I had back then still come and fish with me on an annual basis. But more importantly, the Little Juniata River Association has a platinum membership. Which, if you if you join as a platinum member, you get a um, a guided day on the river, and I do that those guided days and uh, that comes so you get a life membership plus a, a guided down the river for two and uh, uh last year i had i think 13 platinum members this past season which is a pretty good season for uh for that kind of thing as the organization makes out well uh, i donate lion share of my my usual guide fee to that and we we uh, I meet a lot of really interesting people and make friends for the river. The whole the whole name of the game is make friends for the river. Yeah. Um, I have uh, you know, always fished this river since the first time I saw it was 1968. So if there's anyone who knows the river better than me, I'd really like to talk to them because I can learn something. But it, it uh, it's doubtful that there is because I've been at it now for a good long time, longer than most people have lived. <laughs> yeah you got <laughs> me by a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I moved here in 1978 moved my family up here from Delaware in 1978. I had fished before that with my a friend who grew up here in Sinking Valley Tom Crawford and I visited up here and fished with him before I moved up here but yeah, I moved here in 78. Well one important reason was the the trout fishing and the the hunting that opportunities that this area provides. yeah. And uh, we built our house here where we're sitting tonight in 1982 and um, raised three children here. And I am 10 minutes from the river in either direction, either over the mountain to the upper river or out of the valley to the middle river. In 10 minutes, I can be in the river catching a fish. And uh, you know, there's no nothing better than that if you're if you're into it here yeah. if, uh, if you're one of your obsessions is uh fly fishing for wild brown trout it's a great place to live
0: yeah you you live in a wonderful location you guys have the deer here like you said you have wonderful water right up over the road here as far as your experiences in fishing the little jay what's some of the better trout that you caught as far as size wise
1: i get asked that pretty often there, you know, Being a uh, fly fisherman, and primarily a dry fly fisherman, when I can catch a fish on the surface, <clears throat> that's what I want to do. So I realize I could catch bigger fish on streamers, and sometimes I do fish streamers for bigger fish, and I realize that I can catch more fish with nymphs. But if I see a riser, I'm going to either catch that fish or put him down one or the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, I'm mostly catching... You know, not the biggest fish in the river. Right. Uh, a, a, on a dry fly, every year I'll get fish pushing 20 inches on a dry fly, and that's a big fish. Oh, yeah. A- anywhere, for, you know, in, a <coughs> in our river, that's that's more fish than you can handle quite often. Uh, I have seen and have caught fish over 20 inches. I have a, f- a friend who uh, is an avid streamer fisherman. He fishes large, articulated streamers all winter long, all year long. And he, he catches fish well over 20 inches, you wow. know, 24 inches. There are some big cannibal browns in there. When we, when we electrofish, and I've been on every electrofishing uh, uh, event that Fish and Boat has conducted in the last 20 years, <clears throat> during electrofishing, we rarely see those really big fish. And the explanation I get is that it takes a lot of current to knock a big trout. Oh, like okay. over 20
0: inches. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And if you crank it up to that kind of current, you'll kill some of the smaller fish. Mm. You'll stun them to such an extent that they don't recover. I see. So a fishing boat has to be content with <clears throat> with uh, capturing um, I would say the the uh, the big biggest fish I see in those electrofishing efforts is around eighteen inch, eighteen yeah. or nineteen inches. You don't see them much larger than that. But the big fish are into big deep holes, which right. are also more difficult to electrofish, and they get out of dodge. They get out of your way before you get there with the with the probes. Right. You know. And they're, you tickle them, but you can't knock them. So. Electrofishing is not a good indication of how big the trout are in a stream like right. this. It's a better it's, population. It's a, it's a good measure uh, for uh, to do a population, or biomass, mm-hmm. uh, but you're not gonna see the biggest specimens necessarily. Now, one thing that troubles me is I, I had people show me really big uh, brown trout from the river that were caught on, uh, on night crawlers usually and uh, hanging on a, on a chain stringer and um and that's one of the reasons why we're pressing for catch and release regulations on the rest of the river our biggest fish are frequently end up on a chain stringer by someone fishing in off color water with with bait right. with worms and you know yeah it's not too many of them but any other any one of those fish is a loss we shouldn't have it takes a brown trout Twelve to fifteen years to get that big, right. and it's just uh, shameful to, uh, you know, to kill them. Right. In, our, in, in my opinion, and plus there's such an uh, enjoyable uh, thing for, for multiple fishermen, if you know, because that trout's going to break off <laughs> more people than than catch it for sure. on a fly rod, on a light tip and on a fly rod. But the the, uh, you know the little Juniata is uh, a big part of who I am and what I do. Um, I worked in industry up until 2004 and traveled a lot, had to make a living, raised three kids. But the last 20 years, uh, first I had a fly shop for three years after I retired, and then uh, figured out that if you want to do a lot of fishing, you don't have a fly shop. (laughs) 12 hours a day behind a counter is not going to get you very much fishing. In prime time, you're always in the fly shop at the worst possible time. Yeah, right. So we sold the fly shop and did more fishing, and um, it's a rare week that I don't spend some time on the river. And uh, in in the season when there are hatches, I'm only going to be on the river you know four or five days out of seven. Definitely. And um, yeah, that's the winter months. I I'll take a ride down there. Uh, we do most of our our business in Tyrone, banking, haircuts, et cetera. I never go to Tyrone without. Crossing a couple of bridges and having a look to see what my river is doing, and uh, you know we we uh, we rise to the occasion when there's a threat to the river. We uh, we go after. We know who to call, and we know, and they know us, and they know that we don't uh, blow smoke, and that if we complain, like the conservation district, we call the conservation district. They act on it because we've never. Uh, green wolf right definitely we 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 have our act together and we'll take photos first uh, and we we encourage people anyone that if they're fishing the river or kayaking the river and they see something unusual whether it's a a, a, you know a a tank of uh, unknown substance laying there or whether it's a a seepage that looks ugly coming out of the ground you know call us call me Mm -hmm. and uh We'll we'll get the right agency involved and uh, get something done about it, and uh, you know that's that's uh, what we do year round. Respond to those kind of calls. Uh, we meet monthly. We have an open public meeting usually at Marzoni's on uh, Pleasant Valley Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says second Thursday of the month, 7 p.m. at Marzoni's, and people are welcome to come. Uh, we have a facebook page little juniata river association don't get fooled by the little juniata river webs uh facebook page it's totally not us there's a there's a look alike on there who is, who is uh, uh questionable so the ljra <coughs> we also have a a facebook uh, a website which is little juniata river dot net, not dot org dot or dot, 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 dot network dot right dot .net mhm and that facebook that uh, website has a a join button if you want to join our organization Uh, you can also read our bylaws there you can see uh, extensive photo gallery of river pictures Um, and you and if uh, you leave there with unanswered questions just call me and and i'll find the answers for you somehow
0: yeah well you were you know very easy to get a hold of and you know more than willing to have me come down and, and do this interview and i greatly appreciate it and Um, I fished a little Jay pretty often, uh, once the, probably the first three weeks of the normal trout season are done. So you're talking first three weeks of April going into May, that's whenever you'll see me down there pretty often. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't say that I probably ever even been skunked Mm. down there. Mm. Now I am still learning to fly fish here and there. So I, I do use, uh, spin baits. Uh, so I fished the upper end and I do really, really have an enjoyable time up there. And I have caught some really, really nice fish and I'm I'm very glad you guys do what you do. And, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for, for all the efforts that you put in yourself and your name is very well known in the area, (laughs) just so you know. Uh, so you, you know, that, that should be something that you really can hang your hat on, but other than that, Bill, I mean, I, I'd like to get into some other stuff with you. What, what, you know, what draw drew you back to the area? I know you said, like, the little J, and that was, like, primarily the thing. Was it you wanted to be in the area to be around that specific body of water? Did you want also want to be close to, like, Penn's Creek and, like, Spruce Creek or...
1: No, we we came to this area. We really followed some friends here. We have uh, friends the Crawford's. Uh, Tom and Pam Crawford live here in Sinking Valley. Mm-hmm. Tom uh, grew up in Sinking Valley, um, who came and, and uh, uh, took jobs in Newcastle County, Delaware, where my wife and I grew up. And uh, she Pam's a nurse and Tom was a teacher. And Tom started teaching school with my wife. They're at the same school as rookie teachers the same year that we were newlyweds both couples so they became close friends and uh, i started traveling up here with with tom to sinking valley area to hunt and fish mm-hmm. uh, tom introduced me to um, fly tying as a matter of fact we tied the first i tied the first trout fly on the dining room table in delaware it was a muddler minnow <laughs> i can still remember it uh, prior to that i'd tied uh, Deer hair bugs because all we had in Delaware were ponds with bass in them. Right. So I was fly fishing, but I was fly fishing for, for largemouth and bluegills in mm-hmm. ponds, and I used to do uh, uh, deer hair bugs on my mother's dining room table and <laughs> catch a lot of grief because of all the, the hair that <laughs> <are> everywhere. <coughs> but Tom, uh, so Tom and Pam, are from the area. Pam grew up in Tyrone. Tom grew up here in Thinking Valley, and uh, so in 19. 19- Seventy-six. <coughs> Tom and Pam moved back home. So from seventy-sixty-eight to seventy-six, they lived down in Delaware, and we, Tom and I, fished and hunted together. I introduced him to duck hunting in Delaware. I was a really avid duck hunter. Hmm. Uh, I have a distinction of having won the uh, duck calling contest in Delaware one year at a, Travel Unlimited, or at a uh, Ducks Unlimited banquet. Well, that's pretty <laughs> so, impressive. <laughs> yeah. So I was really into duck hunting, and uh, Tom wanted to hunt ducks. He had never even shot a duck when he turned up in delaware so i introduced him to duck hunting he introduced me to turkeys and uh, and trout fishing Mm -hmm. trout fishing with a fly and and then tom and pam came back up here in 76 and opened up a uh, a built up hillendale hunt club and uh, eventually had 500 acres of uh, pheasant hunting and pheasant and chucker hunting and I became the senior dog handler on Hillandale for many years and all the my retired years I was taking hunts three or four days a week with my springer spaniels and uh, uh, Tom closed it down four or five years ago now and went and retired now he just travels and fishes him and Pam but uh, that's how we got here we 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 grew up in Wilmington, a downtown, terrible place to. I mean, yeah. it was a good place to grow up, but it's a good place to be from Right now. It's I not, not a good place. It was great for, uh, you know, as a kid, I roamed all over. The Brandywine River flowed through the center of Wilmington, and that was my saving grace. It kept me from a life of crime because I, I could go to the river and fish when I was 12 or right. 14. Instead, right. Instead of doing what many of my uh, neighborhood friends did, which was. Uh, your uh, rob places at night and go to jail, <laughs> which did happen. We uh, had a number of friends that ended up in reform school and so forth. But I fished the brandywine from the time I was 10 years old. I would leave home with my, uh, first my hand line. I couldn't yeah. afford a fishing rod. Right. I had a hand line. Yeah. And I used to catch sunfish through a, a crack in a dock on a pond alongside the brandywine on a, an old mill pond. And, um, by the way, I wrote a book It has some of these uh, tales I'm telling you now are in the beginning of my book. My my book is called Trout Boomer and the Little Jay and its uh, first part of it is all about my uh, how I became a fly fisherman. And uh, unfortunately, there are no copies available to me. But my publisher went bankrupt during the pandemic and I have to find a new publisher and uh, I am uh, working on a revised edition, bringing up to date. I published it in 2014, <clears throat> so I've had eight years of additional experience and learning on the Little Juniata, and so I'm going to update it and, and and you know embellish on it. And I have a couple new chapters. I want to put a chapter of uh, streamer fishing on the Little Juniata. I put a, I want to do a chapter on the 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 uh, nymph fishing the Little Juniata, and um, I'm also going to do a chapter interviewing the best uh, fly fishermen I know who fished the little Juniata, yeah. which will make a few people unhappy, I'm sure, because I'll leave them out. So. <laughs> <I> can't <laughs>
0: make everybody happy.
1: No, you can't go through your life worrying about people being happy. I, I, uh, I often said I can't write another book until more people die. <laughs> they know too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we... Uh, that's how we got here. We, we I came up here, finally found a job with the SKF in Altoona mm-hmm. as the material director of materials for SKF in Altoona, and uh, um, stayed here ever since. I I worked out of town. One time I worked for over a year in Boise, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Never moved my family. I just commuted. I actually commuted from Quincy Valley to Boise, Idaho, for a year and a half. Every every week. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, so wor- you got a lot of air miles on that. Well, oh, my. Right? Worse than that, I commuted to upstate New York for six years. It was 242 miles each way. And I used to drive it every Monday morning and home on Friday night. From, uh, I had an apartment in Geneva.
0: Yeah, I know the my, area.
1: My office was uh, was in Newark, New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had an office in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for a while. I mean, I I never moved my family. I just I lived out of town and came home on weekends for a while. But. Yeah. So I got tired of all that crap, and and uh, yeah, I put a lot of air miles. In. Yeah. In my last year in industry, I flew over 250,000 miles. Oh my. And goodness. I drove another 50,000 miles. Oh my god. <laughs> in goodness. 2004, and then I I called it quit Retired. Retired yeah. early. Opened a fly shop and uh did what i really wanted to do right haven't looked back since hey no i don't miss it <laughs> i don't miss that traveling crash. no
0: i'm sure you don't it's <laughs> it, I, I from experience i know and it's it's tough yep, yep. No, i don't have that kind of miles but i i have a lot of miles under my belt too but the uh the great thing is you know you you get to do what you love now mm-hmm. and yep. and you know i nobody's really bothering you, you know? Nobody calling, hey, no. you need to come to work or anything, you know
1: No, what I mean? no, we, uh, are not busy, but I'm busy with things I want to do. Yeah. Not with things that people are uh, assigning me to do. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's impressive, though. You know, you you know how to tie flies. You're a great fly fisherman. You wrote a book, <laughs> you know? You're the kind of guy that can't sit still, I'd imagine.
1: I and I have a bu- side business, which I should tell you about. Yeah, definitely. I, I um, install... Uh, waterproof relief zippers in people's waders mm-hmm. uh, self-preservation or you know I have it as most people in there uh, that are more than 60 years old have prostate problems and you have frequently you got to go you know especially a uh, two cups of coffee in the morning Right. <laughs> so I had to solve my problem I'm, I'm an engineer by the way I was an engineer so I'm, I'm always looking for solutions to problems that was a problem so I found uh, the best waterproof zipper in the world and I started installing it first in my own waders. I yeah. wore, wore them for a couple seasons and then I started doing them for other people. Now I've been doing this for 5 years and I ship uh, people ship me their waders from all over the country, even in Alaska. I've done I've done waders for guides in Alaska and people in in California and duck hunters in New England and surf fishermen so the great advantage is you don't have to, you have to take anything off. You can just, you know, pull a zipper and, and keep everything on. You can keep mm-hmm. fishing if you want to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <coughs> so I, I was going to tell you a story whenever you brought this up. So <clears throat> my brother, and he's probably going to kill me for putting this on air, but <laughs> it's too funny not to tell. So um, they were up. Uh, they were fishing the steelhead. And he said he had had, you know, probably two or three beers, and he had to pee, you know. And they're standing in the water mm-hmm. well. He didn't think twice about it, and he let it rip while he had his waiters on. <laughs> okay. In his waders. In his waders. see, was, with was my zipper, you <laughs> wouldn't have to do that. Right. So. And it's not a good
1: idea. I mean, you might work for a little while, but <laughs> it's just, you're soon going to get really cold. <laughs> I do get waiters here. I've got a pair downstairs right now that have obvious urine stains in them <laughs> from that kind of... Uh, behavior but mm-hmm. yeah with the with the I call it the EZP zipper and I have a I have a Facebook page and I have a website now for EZP zippers and uh, we you know if you want to get a pair of waders done just mm-hmm. you uh, email me and I'll tell you how to go about it
0: yeah it's it's a great idea and I, I seen a picture um, of the product and it, it it's right in the perfect spot and it looks it looks good it works
1: it really where I get a lot of testimonials from Guys who uh, who uh, sometimes say, "Well, without the <coughs> without the easy I wouldn't be fishing anymore <coughs> because it was just too much of a nuisance." You know? Right. So yeah, that's uh, something I do to to uh, help uh, finance my other vices that I have. Right. Right. And I I also teach a fly tying class. You see the table set up. I have room there for twelve people. Okay. Every Wednesday night we get together. Um, it's sponsored by LJRA, and the only re- the only way you can be part of it is to be an LJRA member. Yeah. And I have to have an opening, of course. have been doing this for 19 years. I've had every Wednesday night from New Year's till Easter. My wife gives us her dining room table. I have to be off by the last Wednesday before Easter. Because it's time to eat. It's time to get ready for Easter yeah. dinner. And I have to be, I can't get on until the... Wednesday after New Year's, okay. for obvious reasons. So, right. So we we now I have a, a typical night, I'll have eight or ten tires out of the twelve that I've uh, you know uh, accepted for the year, and uh, some of them have been coming for many years. Other like this year I have two true beginners, never tied a fly, don't had no clue. Yeah. And uh, and I and most of the guys that did table, got started on my table. And now they're experienced tires, but they keep coming back
0: mm-hmm. and they could probably also help the guys that are and they do yeah, yeah. we do that
1: we do exactly right we have uh, enough experienced tires now that uh, I don't have to do all the teaching i have uh I have some very unique fly patterns uh, they're soon going to be available commercially we're working with a with a um, uh, a, a company that's going to tie for me <coughs> and um I call it a c e t it's Crippled merger type of pattern for mayflies. I don't use any of the traditional flies. I use all my own patterns. They are very different, but <laughs> they're very effective. Mm-hmm. They're. Uh, um, I have them for all the, all the eastern mayflies. I also have a, you know, a, a caddis pattern. There are, there are YouTube videos to tie my flies. Just look for trout boomer on, trout boomer sulfur C E D or trout boomer, caddis. And they're on on the YouTube. On YouTube okay, yes. they're on YouTube, and um, like I can say they will soon be available commercially. I, I sell flies now. Sometimes I don't encourage people because I don't want to spend hours talking tying about. them up
0: to sell them. Right. <laughs>
1: one time I took an order for uh, it was a, over a hundred dozen of one of my flies, and it was a <laughs> it took. I had to teach my wife to tie. And she helped me, and we finally got <laughs> sure. through through the order. Oh my goodness! But, uh, what's the What's yeah, the time
0: frame on if you do, if you were to sit down and tie one right now? What's it usually take for you to tie a fly?
1: I my my C E T patterns. I I tie about fourteen per hour. Okay, yeah, about three and a half minutes apiece, and that's after I get moving. You know, get going, get set up, and get going. And then so, you know,
0: on a day on the river, how many flies you usually go through? It depends on the on the quality
1: of the client <laughs> and when i'm when i'm guiding i get people who who can lose flies faster than i can tie them before. right but, but uh when i'm fishing i don't lose a lot of flies i lose them break them off and fish like everybody else i break them off and fish or i mm-hmm. i catch my back cast in a tree limit too high to climb and things like that but uh, uh, i don't go through a lot of flies other than with uh, when i'm guiding when i'm guiding i i have uh beginners i enjoy guiding and teaching beginner fly fishermen yeah and uh they they can certainly uh, go through a lot of flies
0: well i feel like you know once you're to the point where you are and with your knowledge and your experience and everything you're you're kind of to the point now where the only time you're really feeling good about it's when you're giving it back too
1: yeah yeah i I really uh, enjoy teaching beginners i have a a day and a half beginners class too that starts out on a pond uh, here in singe valley and uh, start out with flight casting mm-hmm. and, and then uh, catching uh, bass and sunfish tying your own woolly buggers and catching bass and sunfish on the fly that you tied and then the second day i take them to the river and we we look at uh, reading the water and, and uh, fishing for trout and, and um, it, wor- it works out well I, I usually have two to four people in those classes yeah um, sometimes it's one-on-one but usually it's two to four people in, the, in those day and a half classes <laughs> I I do have a new uh, web page for my various enterprises. It, it's called uh, TroutBoomer.biz. So if you go to www.TroutBoomer.biz, you'll see my website, and there are testimonials on there about my zippers and and uh, guiding information, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather teach beginners than anything yeah you know whether it's a beginning fly fisherman or a beginning trout yeah. fisherman
0: well you know a lot of the time too i feel like because i i we have a lot of new guys that i help train and stuff at work and some other things you know some hunting knowledge some fishing knowledge that i might have and i like to pass on but you know it's a lot easier to write on a blank piece of paper too
1: yes uh, i'll take the guy, the person and by the way i get a good many women these days yeah that's i'll great. take the person with no bad habits mm-hmm. it's like any uh, skill activity if Mm. you if you find someone who has not developed bad habits it's a lot easier yep than to get them untrained from what they're doing wrong definitely and i I often have husband wife teams that i take uh yeah that guy oh that's i mean and uh, the husband thinks he's already uh experienced (laughs) fly fisherman so he'll go off on his own he said just take care of my wife and by the time he gets back, she's a better flycaster than he, <laughs> he is. <laughs> but it's not always true, but it, it does happen, and oh. it's because she has no preconceived notion and she listens carefully to what you're trying to teach, yep. and they follow. You know, follow. They know nothing, so they follow what you're telling
0: them. Yep, definitely.
1: But, uh, yeah, that's uh, it keeps me busy, keeps me going, and I have grand uh, grandsons who like to fish the ones in seattle when they come here they like to go fishing yeah and know um, so i have a i have a little 14 foot boat that i take to the lakes i'm not a purist i'll, I'll fish uh, for crappies and perch and fill the freezer from time to time
0: well they taste very good yeah <laughs>
1: excellent eating um
0: so speaking of which as far as um the trout and stuff is that something that that you cook or
1: uh we i haven't eaten a trout you know, for fifty years probably. Wow. I don't eat trout. But uh, uh you know, I won't kill a wild trout on mm-hmm. principle. I right. think it's a bad idea. Yeah, I understand. I and I don't like hatchery fish because they're white and mushy and, yeah. and you know. Yep. You know, when I was eating back when I was a young man and killing and eating everything I caught, mm-hmm. I liked wild uh wild trout, the pink flesh and you know the firm pink oh, flesh, yeah. very tasty. Right. Wild brookie is hard to beat, Mm -hmm. but I I haven't eaten a trout for a long time. I do eat panfish, and uh, we do catch occasional uh, lake trout or striper down in Racetown, and we'll eat them. Uh, But uh, no, I don't cook trout. I I do cook, uh, you know, we'll pan fry the the, uh, Mm panfish. And my wife got me a new uh, electric fillet knife for christmas so yeah yeah i a zip right it through a little now. easier <laughs> I, I haven't caught anything to fillet yet since christmas but i've been out a few times but i haven't caught anything that i wanted to
0: fillet <laughs> yeah the, it's it's funny you say it. i actually find it kind of crazy that, that you, the, you know it's been that long since to them. but i know a lot of people that aren't too fond of trout and and i do understand mm-hmm. you know i my my dad likes to cook them a certain way here and there and I I'm really simple. I like to just got them, cut the head off them, fill them up with whatever, mm-hmm. some butter, pan some pan prime, and pan prime. Yep, yep. that's the way yep. I enjoy them. Yep. I'll filet them for you or whatever you want, you know. But um, yeah, yeah they're they're I I don't think they're the tastiest, and I think that that helps them though in a conservation, you know, type effort because. If they tasted like walleye, <laughs> be a lot of people keeping them. Yeah, or
1: oh. yellow perch or crappies yeah, for that definitely. matter, you know, which are really, really good. But walleye are really hard to beat. And I do catch occasional walleye. I caught a, uh, the first walleye I caught at Racetown was a 10 pound walleye. It was 29 and a half inches, weighed 10 wow. pounds. So uh, I thought it was going to be easy, but I haven't caught another one like that since.
0: Yeah. Well, I know and talked to a lot of individuals that put a lot of hours in to go and catch four walleye. Yeah. It's not easy. Right, so it, it's definitely, definitely hard to do. Uh, as far as, you know, every, all your conservation is toward the little jay. I know you fish it all the time. Is there any other places that you prefer, like, locally?
1: Yeah, I, f- I fish the tributaries. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, I, I like uh, brook trout fishing. And I, I All the jay tribs, whether it's Tipton Run or Bell's Gap Run mm-hmm. or, or Riddle Gap Run or Homer's Gap Run, or uh, if you go far enough... Right. Up in the boonies, you're going to find brook trout. Right, uh, Elk Creek. You know, uh, there are, there are wild brook trout in all these streams if you go far enough. Right, and uh, so I like to do that. Um, I like to fish. Oh, uh, uh, I'll go to to uh, Spring Creek in the spring for the olive hatch when the olives are really on up there. I, I enjoy that. I have, I went a couple, two years ago, I went down to Penn Street during the Green Drake hatch, and I'll never do that again. <laughs> it's, it's like a, you know, a circus. Like a zoo, huh? Yeah, no thanks. I'll pass on that. It was an experience, and I stood there with just thousands of uh, coffin flies in my face and on my rod, and you know, in the dark. I got some incredible uh, video of Coffin flies flying into my rod and my line in the dark. Yeah, that was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, but it's not a an experience. That, you know, people on either side of you within 20 yards. Yeah, not my my hmm. name of the game. <coughs> there is a growing uh, green drake population on the Little Jay on the lower part of the Little Juniata that most people aren't aware of. Um, haven't helped us if it ever becomes as popular as Penns Creek, but so far it's not that kind of. Uh, you know, Blizzard Hatch like they have over at Penn Street. Right. We don't really know why the green drakes aren't throughout the Little Juniata. It's certainly suitable habitat. Uh, we had a uh, a green drake entomologist, a uh, specialist, who a young lady who dedicated her life to <coughs> to that bug, <coughs> 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 to Ephemera gutulata and she couldn't explain why we don't have them throughout the river. Hmm. <clears throat> but uh, there, in general, we don't have uh, green breaks upstream from Spruce Creek.
0: <clears throat> I have a hard time with my uh, throat here, catching. Um. Well, you know, I don't want to keep you too long. I, you know, you you you've done a great job, Bill. I I greatly appreciate you having me, and um, I'd like to have you on again because this is this is there's a couple other conversations that are just more likely about trout Mm -hmm. that i'd like to get into uh you know as far as weather conditions uh seasons sure we can talk some different flies uh we were just talking right before we come on with some uh, water temperature you know that's a big thing that i think that a lot of people should be aware of
1: yeah there's a lot of misconceptions about water temperature
0: yeah and i and i know how knowledgeable you are and it i I would like to have you come back through and i'm sure that me and you can set up another time but i just you know i wanted to go over a couple things before I let you go here just to just to help you promote some things and especially with the Little Juniata River Association. Um, you know, you said you guys have done was it five and a half miles of uh bank restoration uh, and
1: well no, we we have uh we've done uh five miles of public fishing easements in okay, the lower river it. and we've done um, uh ten different projects in the upper river for bank restoration, now, for bank protection, bank restoration. And
0: I was up there I've seen everything that was done Uh,
1: upstream from the lower regals gap bridge we have i think six projects because that's an area of the river where it meanders and the banks were carved out and falling in Mm -hmm. and that's where the sediment was coming from so that's where we focused our efforts in the first years the first 10 years we did a a project up there every year so we've done a lot of work in in the upper river to stop the mud right stop the sediment and uh, and we've done fish habitat projects on uh, on Sandy Run, and we've done uh, we did one as I mentioned earlier down at uh, Tipton Bypass. If you if you're coming off I-99, head in toward Tyrone on the Tipton Bypass Tipton Ramp, park there and look downstream, and you'll see boulders spaced in there. We put those boulders there, okay. and there's also seven uh, deflecting uh, side deflectors that are pushing the current to the middle so you can get a pretty good look at it right there off that bridge walk back on the bridge and take a look Yep. so yeah we've done uh, we have other projects in mind uh, we'd like to eliminate the fish the uh, barrier of uh, consisting of the the uh, tyrone uh, paper mill dam mm-hmm. it blocks passage up to little bald eagle little bald eagle has the potential to be a really great uh trout stream, a great spawning stream for the river. That, is that a
0: limestone stream?
1: Uh, it has, it's not limestone in, influenced, yes. Um, it, but it has hatches that the Little Juniata doesn't have. It has a blue quill in April that the Little Juniata really doesn't have much of. Um, it has um, green drakes in the upper part that Little Juniata only has in the lower end. But anyway, the <clears throat> Bald Eagle Creek has a lot of potential and we have projects planned for stream bank restoration on the little bald on the bald eagle, what yeah. I call little bald eagle, to differentiate it from the big bald eagle right. with Milesburg, mm-hmm. where uh, where Spring Creek dumps into it. <coughs> that, uh, but the the bald eagle has a lot of potential as a as a trout stream, and it has a wild trout population. We we did surveys. We had uh, Juniata College kids come up with their backpack survey equipment and uh, found wild brown trout throughout. Uh, it could probably pass for Class A in several parts of it. Class A wild brown trout. Yeah. Of course, it gets stocked heavily now by fish and boat. Hmm. It, it's hard to distinguish the stocked fish in all cases from uh, from wild fish. Right. But the uh, yeah. So the uh, little bald eagle is uh, a project waiting to be done, and we'll be we're gonna we're gonna have a we have a directors meeting on uh, February 6th. And we'll be discussing um, goals and objectives for the coming year and the coming three years. We've been distracted by the pandemic, like most people, most groups. But we're going to get back on the on the board here with projects. Um, and um, you know, we have long-term goals that we have, like fish passage on the Little Bald Eagle. Uh, we did we did a study with the paper mill management a few years ago. Uh, with an engineering firm, and they uh, recommended three ways to bypass that dam. Yeah, all very expensive, you know, half oh, a sure. mil- half a million dollars to, yeah. to bypass. <coughs> We're uh, so we want to revisit that with the current management, and try to get that uh, back on board, and get that
0: dam out of there or a way around it. Yeah, either, either one. I know that you guys have friends in the right places, and you guys know the right people to contact for that stuff.
1: We we have we make it a point, you know we. Yeah, anybody or any agency that has uh, control over something that affects the river, we want to know about it. We mm-hmm. want to know who they are. And uh, I, I've, you know, I have often said that we have uh, blinders on. We don't. We we're strictly Little Juniana River and its tributaries. Don't get distracted by other problems. Right. There are you know Clearfield Creek or Frankstown Branch, mm-hmm. or Spring Creek, somebody else's problem because we we feel that by focusing on one watershed we can get a lot more uh, impact than we could if we got distracted yeah. by all these other other issues. So we 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 really do keep our our blinders uh, on and we focus on little Gianna. Yeah,
0: and um, like you would mentioned, you know, the Clearfield Creek is right in my area and and I I wish that they had as nice as it is, I wish that they had people looking out for it like they do for you guys. Well, but
1: yeah, every every uh Especially if if you want to have a trout stream, if you want to have a cold water resource, someone, some group of interested, um, passionate people have to take an interest, or they, it won't happen because there's plenty of people, plenty of uh, industry that has a little regard for, uh, for that cold water. Right. Uh, they're not malicious about it; they just don't. Yeah. It's not on their agenda. It yeah. doesn't matter to them. So. Yeah. So you have to make it matter. We have to show up and make it matter.
0: Yep, so. I fully understand. Uh, yep. There is a couple other dates I wanted to run over real quick that you'd mentioned. So Saturday, April eighth, you guys got trash cleanup day. Yep. Uh, the twenty ninth of April, you guys have the picnic
1: for members and guests. Yep. Okay, have to be a member and bring a guest.
0: And then also, if you guys were to go and sign up and be platinum members, they get a guided two day or a guided day with you for two mm-hmm. with a lifetime membership.
1: Yes. A- and a, a, a limited edition print of the Spruce Creek Hole. This one right here. Mm-hmm. I'm, po- I'm pointing at it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I know exactly <laughs> that's where that's at. So uh, yeah, we we uh, uh, we're getting more and more interest in the platinum membership than we've had before. But the life membership is 150 bucks. Uh, annual membership is 55, and the platinum membership is 500. And uh, we have no paid employees. You know, I'm right. I'm, I function as an unpaid uh, executive director, I guess. Because you love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, we have no, no, um, all volunteers. Right. All of our directors, i have eight directors plus me. <clears throat> They're all um, just people who like to fish the river, like to kayak the river, and they yeah.
0: want to see the the people for the next generation be able to do the same thing. Sure,
1: that's exactly right. We have uh, uh, various, you know. Uh, people on the board. We have a pro you know a, a PhD geneticist from Penn State campus. We have uh uh retired water authority specialist, we have you know any any all different um, walks of life on our
0: on our board. You guys got a lot of people from the right background. <coughs> And you guys are very good at networking, too, because if you weren't, you wouldn't be where you're at.
1: That's where it's at. I mean, you have to, it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. It comes down to it. When, when uh, like, for example, the agencies, I'm trying to make it a point to know the people in the agencies, whether it's Conservation District, Fish and Boat, DEP, right. PennDOT, Penelect. All these agencies have a impacts and ways that they can impact our, our river and mm-hmm. our resource. And if uh I'd like to know the uh, Norfolk Southern management better, I do have a member who's a maintenance manager for norfolk Southern, but uh Norfolk Southern management's a little hard to get to know <laughs> they're uh they're um, well aware yeah, you work for them so you you would know but they're uh, yeah we 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 um you know, we're persistent uh, when people move around, which they do like uh conservation district. A guy who was a permit guy at the conservation district turns up at PennDOT. Right now, he's the environmental guy at PennDOT. Mm-hmm. You know, I follow him right over there. Right. I've already got a, he. He knows that we know what we're doing. We're doing, and that we don't. We don't um, cry false alarms or anything. Right. But it it works that way. Dep. <coughs> these young people who come out of college, and they get their first job either in Dep or fishing boat or conservation district or somewhere. They often don't stay there; they'll move. So I make a point to know where they move to. Yeah. Because i I'll give you a prime example. We did a uh, project with uh, Juniata College you know, a few years ago, where we put transmitters in our trout. We wanted to know where the trout went. Right? right. When are they? Where do they go when the water is warm? Where do they go when they spawn? Yeah. So we took 40 trout and put transmitters in them. And uh, with the help of Juniata College, all the ki- the kids in the uh, senior environmental class did the work. And one of our directors is, was the head of the department at that time. And um, we tracked those trout. The kids tracked the trout with the receiver unit. We paid for the equipment. Juniata College brought the the expertise and in, in the labor to the party. And <laughs> we tracked the trout around for for a whole. Year and then uh, a year later we did another thirty-six drought. You know, put transmitters in Tra- each transmitter is almost two hundred bucks, and the receiving unit was four thousand. So that's where our dues go to things like that. You know, when we when we, uh, when we, we I do don't want projects. to get
0: too in depth of that, but I got to know. Were you surprised with what you guys found?
1: We learned a lot, and that might be a subject for another. Yeah. Time yep. I could, I I give a I've given presentations. Denny Johnson and I have given presentations on that project to, to the Fish and Boat Commission, mm-hmm. to the Keystone Cold Water Conference. You know we've gone around and given the results of those of the project. Uh, but I started to say that uh, a young man who was in that senior class in that first project is a fellow named Logan Stinger. Uh, Logan is now the uh, watershed specialist for Huntington County. And, you know, he, he participated in the trout telemetry project with right. us in 2015, I guess it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was, seven years ago. Now he's in a position of, of management with Huntington County Conservation District. Uh, he also comes to my fly tying
0: class on Wednesday nights. <laughs> hey, uh, well, like you were just saying, it, it, if you, when you have the right network, you can make anything happen. Yeah, and, it, well, and, and it's because the right people get involved.
1: And you have to show results. You know, what I've learned is that if you if, if you if you show results and you can say here's what we did and it's tangible and it's real then people are willing to go to give you the funding to do future projects. Yeah. And volunteer to do future projects. Definitely. So track record really matters. Right. You do things that matter. We don't do trivial things. We don't do window dressing projects. Right. We make sure that what we do really helps the river. And yeah, as long as we keep that focus, it, it'll it work.
0: Well, I think that you guys are doing an absolutely wonderful job. I know that you're going to continue to do the work because you love it. And yes. I know that you guys have a, right, a lot of the right people involved. So I greatly appreciate your time, Bill. And I, I, uh, I'm real excited to, to have you on again, because like I said, there's, I kind of want to do a little more detailed things going down the road here. Sure. So thank you so much for your time. And, um, you guys can find Bill on Facebook. Um, do you do Instagram? Uh,
1: no, I have a, I have a personal Facebook page, and okay. we have a Little Juniata River Association Facebook page. Right. I have a personal uh, web page now, which is TroutBoomer.biz, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but I do I I have an Instagram account, but I I'm not active. I have a Twitter account. I'm not active there
0: either. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, well, so if they that want to contact you, uh, Facebook be all right? Facebook is fine.
1: Okay. Uh, email address, phone call, you call me. They're both, the phone number and email address you have on the LJRA website are, are actually my
0: okay. phone number. my
1: Very good. Address. We, don't, we don't have a headquarters.
0: So you guys listen, and if you have any questions for him or you want him to go into any depth of something that I didn't maybe anytime. not cover. Yep. Anytime. Um, he's open to the phone calls he loves the conversation I can tell you he's a talker I've been here for a while before we started recording so um, thank you guys for listening and Bill well, we'll see you soon okay thank you and that wraps up another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast I want to give Mr. Bill Anderson a round of applause just unbelievable feats that this man has accomplished and continues to protect our local waterways Bill, I thank you from the bottom of my heart as an outdoorsman, and I know a lot of my listeners feel the same. Guys, we have to be like him. We need to get the youth involved. You know the game. You know the drill. I thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, please rate, like, and subscribe. God bless.